mockery of sadness. All right, welcome to the Back Judge Podcast. Adam here with Tommy and Lee, but special guest today, Cleveland High School sports legend, Syracuse football legend, Carl Jones, baby. Give it up. Hey, thank you guys for having me on, man. I'm a big fan of the pod, and I can't wait to record this one. Yep. Most yep. most importantly, uh, Tommy and Lee, Carl is a Parnell Motley truther. Oh, we'd wow. love to hear that. The few, the proud. Let's get the few contract the ready, man. Let's get this guy in the pod already. Full-time <laughs> member. Any fan of, of Parnell Motley is, is a friend of mine. I'll say that much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love them, especially last year uh, against LSU. Obviously, everyone else was getting torched, but he was solid. He wasn't really getting torched out there. He looked like he belonged, so that's why yep. I became a, a huge fan. Yep. Yep. Let's hope he mm-hmm. has a, a great training camp there in Denver and, and keeps a spot. I like him on, on on the Broncos this year. He can stick around. So, uh, Carl is a uh, player for the Syracuse Syracuse Orange football team. Not this year. All right, so that's that's why things went south uh, for, for Cuse <laughs> this this past season. Uh, but so- Sounds like a good story. Yeah, <laughs> was in that DB room for for four years, and we've got uh, three big names from Q's coming out that are look like at least all three are going to get drafted. Two might go uh, on day two. It seems like just from early projections, um, we're gonna get the inside scoop from from Carl on that, and also just talk some other DBs, corners, and safeties uh, in this year's class. Carl, I just get, just to start off, I guess when you're looking at a, a corner or a safety, though, like what are you looking at? in terms of what a guy brings in the college level to make you think, hey, this guy could could be a starter in the league? Uh, you and I talked about this uh, off air a little bit, and one of the first things that I noticed is like that internal clock kind of deal, especially at the line of scrimmage, because uh, in college, not a lot of guys press, you know, a lot of scheme-dependent things, especially in the Big 12, especially in the ACC as well. We didn't really have a lot of opportunities to press because of just the schemes that the defense puts you in. So when you do have an opportunity to see a guy at the line of scrimmage, I want to see how patient he is in that clock, for example. You don't want to see a guy who's fidgeting at the line of scrimmage, moving around a little bit. I want to see a guy who's patient and comfortable in his technique. So that's the first thing. I just want to see how patient and comfortable he is out there. Uh, the next thing I want to see is how fluid you are. Because, I mean, as you know, in the next level, you can't really put your hands on guys like you could in college. So how fluid are your hips? Can you move? Those guys in the next level are elite athletes, you know, and they come from all shapes and sizes. You know, you got the Odells who are a little bit smaller, but they're explosive as hell. Uh, You got your Devontae Adams who are a little bit bigger, but they're explosive in and out of their cuts. I want to see, can your hips turn? Are you patient? And then the the last thing I think I like is ball skills because it's, it's it's one thing to, you know, stop a guy and blase, blase, but nobody, no coach, no, I mean, fans, too, the best feeling is when you can take the ball out of the other team's hands and get momentum and get the other team going. So, I mean, if there's three things I like to focus on is how patient you are out there, which comes into your confidence, um, your hips, and then your ball skills. Like to like to hear that. And as far as, as, far as two safeties, what, what do you think makes a, makes a safety kind of different than the rest? Uh, versatility. I think that's my biggest thing with a safety. Uh just because safeties is a you can kind of scheme um because i think safe corners are more important in today's game just because of how um much man-to-man there's being played but if you can get a guy who's versatile who can come down to the line of scrimmage maybe play a little nickel come in the box a little bit but can also roam the deep middle uh, of the field if you can get a guy who maybe is not excelling at all three but can do two out of three at a high level you got an elite guy so 
I think versatility, first and foremost, is the biggest thing. And then also, me as a corner, this is going to pain me to say this, but you got to be able to tackle. <laughs> and and in this day and age where there's so much space out there and the hardest skill in football is not throwing a football, it's, not, it's tackling in space. That is the hardest thing to do with these athletes and all these offensive coordinators scheming guys up to put them in space. I don't know how you expect me to tackle Tyreek Hill in open space, but God damn it, there's some dudes in the league who can do it at a high level. So if you can... If you're versatile and you can tackle in space, hey, man, you can play on my team any day of the week. Lee, Lee likes to say that playing corner is harder than quarterback. Uh, that was, that's my age-old take, man. I'll stand by that. Hardest hardest position in all of sports is playing cornerback in the NFL. I'll say it 100%. any day. 100%. I'm with you on that one. Yep. Uh, so let's get into these three players from Syracuse that you spent a lot of time with over the last – a uh, couple years you've got Andre Cisco the safety and then Trill Williams and Ify Melifanwu uh, the two corners overall you know Carl what just has been your experience uh, with this these three guys and what do you think they bring to the to the league uh, I think they all bring three different skill sets and I think that's what's kind of cool to be able to play with those three guys uh, starting with Ify just because that's I'm probably closest with him out of all the three he's a big guy so you probably assume he's a cover three guy he's rangy athletic but the one thing that I've enjoyed playing with Ify and being his friend is he's gotten better every single year. He came in as like as a three-star guy, but like all the big schools wanted him. I know Michigan came in late really hard. I remember Harbaugh. Mm. We're, he came on an official to us, and Harbaugh was on the phone with him like at my – I'm like, bro, like hang up the phone, bro. <laughs> so like obviously the potential was always there. As a freshman and sophomore, he was kind of – I don't want to say not confident in his abilities, but he was thinking too much. And then this year I thought that he put it all together – very confident in his abilities. I mean, if you're a cover three scheme team, like a couple teams that come to mind, um, I know San Fran is like that. Um, I, I don't know if Seattle still runs that scheme, but just those teams who you can put a guy in the boundary and just he can go down the field, comebacks, all that post. He's your guy for that. So I love him in that regard. Cisco, like I talked about earlier, the two things that you like in a safety, versatility and being able to tackle in space. I thought Cisco was great at that. We asked him to do a lot of things at Q's. I mean, we asked him to come down in the box sometimes and play nickel. I remember his freshman year against Clemson, um, the year that we should have beat the ass. Um, he had to play linebacker for us. So that was that was exceptional as a true freshman, probably weighing a buck ninety, going in the box trying to tackle ETN. I mean, that that was that's when I knew bro was special. Obviously he's a ball hawk. I mean, he's got thirteen career picks, I wanna say. So he's always around the ball. So I love him in that regard. I think he's really exceptional close to the line of scrimmage. And I think that's I don't know if that's on film as much because we didn't ask him to do that. But I know in practice, mm. he didn't do the one-on-ones and the safeties. Like he was outside on the, with the corners with us and his hips are impeccable. I, I really can't wait to see what he does at the next level, just because I don't think he scratched the surface because the things that he's best at, we didn't ask him to do. And then last is Trill, who in my opinion is the, probably the best athlete of the three just doesn't have a position. And I think that's a scary thing because he's, Kind of too big for a corner. Never plays safety. I've never really seen a nickel. That's 215. Like, But when you want to talk about a dude who's a gamer, jack of all trades, somehow always ends up with the ball in his hands. I don't know if you've seen that highlight of him just ripping the ball off the guy from Wake Forest and taking it the other way. I've never seen that happen, but bro did it. He's been making plays like that for as long as he's been accused. I don't know exactly what he's going to play in the NFL, but if you – get a creative defensive mind who can who make something happen. 
I like his chances too. Lee, I know you watched uh, a little bit of Cisco today, mm-hmm. um, and you were kind of just talking about. Uh, I, there are some, I guess, concerns with him in terms of maybe taking risks and, and things like that. What did What did you kind of see when you watched him? Well, first of all, I want to just congratulate these three guys for getting to the position that they're in. There's obviously way more reasons for you know to to say positive things about them, but you know, come draft season, we got to nitpick everybody's game and try to find the different flaws. I would say with with Cisco. The first thing that popped off to me was that he's fearless. I love that. He, he's not afraid to, you know, like Carl said, go down and make tackles. Um, the thing that bothered me the most, I would say, is that Carl said it, the hardest thing to do in football is tackle in the open field. And I found that he wasn't taking the best angles always. And, and he was flat-footed in a lot of positions where I don't know if he has the, the, the ability and the speed to catch up with running backs in the NFL. Specifically, I'll point out the Louisville game with a guy like Javian Hawkins, who is probably the fastest guy out of the three games I watched that they played against. There was a couple bad angles that Cisco took where Hawkins ended up taking it for 30, 40 yards, maybe even sometimes to the house because of the angle that he took. Um, and then him just kind of being a little bit of a tweener um, and, and, and not really, I guess you said it about Trill, but I would say with Cisco too, I don't know if he has the speed and athleticism necessarily to play safety. I feel like he might be a better fit at linebacker because of the of the reckless abandon that he plays with, because of the fearlessness that he plays with. But I would say on a positive note with Cisco, the thing that pops off is just the the uh, the ball sense and, and the nose for the football man. He always was around the football, had some tremendous interceptions, and 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 like Carl said again, plays like that can be huge for just to get a stadium rock and to change the momentum. So those are things that you always want to look for. And Cisco clearly. The, the stats, the stat sheet jumps off at you for those things. But I would say that the the angles he took and the the speed to me was the were, were the two biggest concerns. And then just to wrap it up, the 2019 Wake Forest film, there, there were just a couple of plays where I feel like he bowed out a little bit early, where the play's still going on and he's kind of watching it happen. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Klepp when we would nitpick last year with the cornerbacks like C.J. Henderson and then the uh, the kid from LSU. I'm forgetting his name, Bolton. Tommy, that you liked, um, where there's plays where it's almost like being close to the when the play finishes is good enough, when in reality it's like, man, I want to see you get in there and push the guy back another yard, um, help your DB out to make that one-on-one tackle. So those are the things that jumped off the most. And like I said, man, I only watched three games of this guy, and these are four- to seven-minute YouTube videos where I'm, I'm, I'm surely not getting every single play. But from the, uh, the analysis that I could gather from those three games, that's, that's mostly what I would come up with. Tommy, you're our, our resident corner. Tommy was early in on Tredavious White. That's his, yeah. that's his, big, uh, his big corner call. Um, I think you were talking, too, a little bit after the Senior Bowl because, uh, you know, if he went down to the Senior Bowl and had a really good, um, you know, showing there, I guess, Tommy, what have your been in, impressions on, on him and, and Trill Williams if you've watched either of them? I've definitely seen a little bit more of, of Iffy, uh, especially when we were doing our receivers and looking at that De'Ami Brown. Um, I mean, just and I, just a physical specimen that he is. And, um, I mean, Carl talked about him being a, a cover three fit, but I think, you know, I mean, the guy almost is, is you know, like a moldable, I mean, what is he, 6'3", you know, two, 200 and in, in, in some change, like just, and with his athletic profile, I just, that's something that gets me really excited. And, um, I mean, there was a couple reps where, I mean, he pressed Diami off the line, had the strength to really get him all, like, not, I mean, it was hard for Diami to get, like, a nice clean release, and then made a play on the ball. I mean, it was just those types of instincts that, you know, got me excited. 
Um, I also was a big fan of Obi coming out, his, uh, his older brother. I, I don't know if they're cousins or brothers. I think they're brothers, right? Yeah, they're brothers. Um, yeah, they're brothers. Um, I really wanted the Cowboys to take him, me being the, uh, the loser Cowboys fan that I am. Um, but it just, I mean, and obviously Obi hasn't had the success that, I mean, I, at least I thought coming out of UConn, whatever it was, three, four years ago. But just, a, it's a similar type of athlete where, um, Carl, like you were saying, off pod where he's a, or a, three, a three-star guy, but all these big programs want him just because of the traits, the, the pliability, the type of skill set that he brings. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, his, you know, physical, you know, his physical profile and kind of his upside really jumped off the page to me. Um, didn't really see as much of, of trail. Um, so I, I, I kind of feel like I shouldn't really give an opinion, but if he was a guy who, you know, when you kind of get into these next level of, of corners and I don't really know where the NFL is going to be on. A, I mean, I'm a huge Asante Samuel jr. Fan, but in Asante Samuel, I feel like in terms of measurables and size is in the, you know, the complete other side of the spectrum as compared to Iffy. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if he was a, a, a day one guy, to be honest, just because the, so many teams need corners and just the upside, I think, is we saw a guy like, you know, Noah Igg go uh, at 30 to the Dolphins last year. And I think if he has a higher ceiling than him, especially with, you know, his measurables combined with his athletic profile. Mm. So um, definitely was really enticed by Melon Fuanwu. And uh, Carl, just as far as a um, little insider info with, with Cisco and his ACL, you know, do you do you see that maybe pushing him down the draft board a little bit? And how is that whole recovery coming? Uh, well, talking about his recovery, first off, I think it's going well. He, we talk a lot. He sends videos and uh, to us just about his updates and how he's moving. He's up to running. Obviously, cutting is the last aspect of things where that's what's going to take a while, and that's going to be the hardest aspect. But he says by training camp, wherever they may be, because you know, um, with this virtual offseason, they may they're they may try to do who knows when he might be out there uh for the mini camp portion of it but he says by training camp he should be full go as for when it comes to um nfl scouts and teams and how it comes to his draft position i honestly don't know and i think as we alluded to off air a little bit this is a really good safeties class there's a lot of guys so if you're gonna if you're maybe have him 1a and 1b or maybe you know in that three four five range when it comes to safeties and you're gonna you feel as if they're all equal, you, you're probably going to lean towards the guy who's more healthy. And mm. whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, I mean, that's that's may how they believe. So could it hurt him? Possibly could. But I, I talking to him, he's coming back fine. I think that um, this time off is going to be great for him just because he's such a, a nerd when it comes to the to the weight room and the, and the film study. That And I, and I don't want to toot his horn too much because he's, he's my boy, but he, <laughs> he really is one of those dudes where he's la- – First dude in, last one out. So I can't imagine what he's been like the past when he toured in October, the last six, seven months of just being n- nothing but film. Mm. So I think his instincts may be able to improve in that aspect. He's he's already a, a pretty like put together type of guy, so he's improved in that aspect as well. His recovery will be fine in, in terms of his draft position. I honestly don't know, but I mean, if you got him equal to somebody else, you'll probably lean towards the healthy guy. Yeah, for sure. And let's just uh, I guess is there any. Uh... Any teams that that your uh, Trill or or Iffy or Cisco are saying they want to go to any maybe any Dion situations? They're saying they don't want to go to Detroit. <laughs> what's uh, what's the situation? Uh, I haven't really heard much in terms of where they don't want to go. Obviously, when we were all in undergrad together, we talked about uh, cities, not necessarily teams in general. You know, you want to go to the high profile cities, the 
with all the glitz and the glamour, you know, that type of stuff. But in terms of specific fits and and uh, and teams they would love to go to, I think those dudes are just excited to fulfill their childhood dreams and be able to play on Sundays. I don't think they really have a preference in terms of where they would like to go. I mean, the way the way you talk up Cisco makes me think that he might be headed to Vegas. <laughs> little, uh, you know, the the film guy, Gruden Grinder, yep. him and Mayock, you know, Mayock watching that film might be, uh, might, I might see uh, Sin City in his future. Hey, he's out in Cali right now. That's where he's doing his uh, his draft prep is, is out in Cali. So he might, might love the West Coast a little bit. Who knows? Yep. Tommy, you'll have to meet up with him. Yeah, I might have to. He's ever in L.A. Uh, needs a needs a ride anywhere. I'm I'm his guy. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um, Carl, let's talk a little bit. I guess some more about just some other corners in this draft. Um, obviously, there's the, the somewhat the top four with with Farley, Sertain, and and Horn. Obviously, the stuff with Farley's back is is off. But uh, Carl was early on Greg Newsom. He was telling me about him back in February, and now he's getting a lot of hype. I've seen him go as high as twenty to the Bears with a little uh, hometown connection there. Um, Lee, you know, you were talking about Kelvin Joseph a little bit from Kentucky. Um, Tommy, you already mentioned, you know, Asante Samuel. Just kind of these outside guys, uh, starting with you, Carl. What have you seen from, from Greg Newsom? I know your boy Cro- Crocky likes him. What well, do you, you like know, about Greg Newsom? That's where I get my info from, man. You know, I got <laughs> shout out to Croc, man. We talking about those same three guys from Q's. We, you know, we're Twitter nerds just like everyone else. Don't let no one else fool y'all. Don't, don't think that, oh, players, bro, players are on yeah. Twitter and <laughs> nerds just like everybody else, all right? So, but long story short, though, he, uh, I watched the Big Ten Championship game, and I was like, damn, Fields is out here struggling. Like, what's going on? And I knew that Northwestern had some draft prospects out there, but Newsom was the one that jumped off the screen to me, especially with that one-hand pick, if y'all know what I'm talking about in the end zone. But the reason why I like him a lot is that he's so versatile when it comes to playing corner, and he's – I don't. I'm not gonna like. I know he ran fast, and I know that he um, he tested well, but he doesn't scream like some athletic freak to me. He screams, "I'm technically sound, and I'm really confident in my technique." I've seen him play cover three, so I've seen him press bail. I've seen him in a cover four setting where he knows he has no safety help. I've seen him obviously in press man, and I see a dude who's versatile as hell. You can put him in a lot of schemes, and he will look great. I mean, I think Croc just released a video today where. He drove down on a hitch and laid the boom. So, obviously, I don't really care if my corners can tackle or not, but that's a plus for me, too. So, I just like how he's versatile. And, obviously, you can always coach up technique and scheme. I mean, technique and, and refinement, you can always do that. But the fact that he already has that, I am I love that. And as a, as a Browns fan, I, um, we need another corner if Greedy don't want to come back and, and get his shoulder right. But yeah, I've I just been – I really like I loved his game outside of the top three, as you alluded to. Yeah, and another thing I, I just wanted to mention on Newsom too is, uh, Carl, you talked about like fluidity in the hips and everything like that, and that's something that pops off to him. I don't know if it was Croc or someone else on Twitter was posting. Uh, I can try and find it real quick. Again, against Michigan State, there's a little rep. I think Austin Gale tweeted it out from PFF. You just see, I mean, just a seamless mover with his hips and the fluidity in the hips and being able to just, I mean, he's just one of those like special type athletes with the change of direction. So. That's something that really has stuck out to me when I've seen the uh, the limited clips of uh, Greg Newsom. Yeah, and there definitely have been reports that I've been reading recently that Cleveland has been doing their due diligence on the, this cornerback class. And I'll be the first one to say it, man. I will be shocked if a guy like Greg Newsom falls to 26. I, I think that the Bears at 20 would probably be a really good pick for them considering that Fuller's gone and they, uh, they're they kind of restarting with the, with the cornerbacks with Jalen Johnson. Um, but, yeah, man, I think the rich would get richer with Cleveland uh, – plucking him with the 26 pick if that if that could be possible for them 
Especially Don't forget about Grant Delpit coming back, baby. Coming off that Achilles tear. <laughs> Need all the help we can get. Big, yep. big signings, too. Free agency. That was nice. Yep. Yeah. Um, Lee, would you... I mean, Sendejo can't be your guy. Sendejo can't be your, your starting guy coming, coming through. I mean, I love Sendejo, man. Put him on special He's a locker teams, room but, guy. Uh, He's a locker room guy, but no way is he... Uh, He's, I don't know, Sendejo or Jeff Heath. Like, that's yeah. that's the, the gun-to-the-head situation <laughs> that uh, I do not want to be in. I told Clep this uh, back in probably beginning of the semester about I'm not really a guy who cares about the intangibles. Can you play or can you not? And yeah. bro can't play, so I, I, he can't be on the Browns next year. <laughs> uh, but that's my rant for Sendejo. I got enough of that during the year, man. Oh, man. Uh, Tommy, you, you talked about Asante Samuel a little bit earlier. You know, what, what are your impressions of him uh, as, as a corner? I mean, he's, again, like a little undersized, but definitely good bloodlines. Uh, it seems like he's at least locked into the second round in, in mocks that I've seen. Yeah, I think he's going to end up being a steal. I'd be shocked if this guy – I just love his instincts too. Like you talk about – Carl mentioned ball production. Like he has a knack for the ball. Um, he's a willing tackler. Like I just think he has a pretty complete game. The only – issue I think with him is a size thing and that's something that I really don't want you know to really influence my uh you know decision making I can kind of see him being kind of like a, a Brent Grimes type guy when you think about Brent Grimes back in his prime had that wonderful one-handed pick at Ford Field uh, I believe on Calvin Johnson beautiful thing of beauty and I could see a similar type of career for Asante Samuel I think he's a versatile player um, and a guy that I clearly I know when we do our mock draft I I will be picking him in the first round I think I think he's a first round talent um, I, I'm ready to, you know, pound my fist on the table for Asante, um, and you know, had a really good year this year, and has has played really well, I think, since you know. He's got the dog mentality as too, a man. Asante he's Samuel, got the dog, he's got the dog mentality. It's always good to see too. I mean, I don't want to overhype the bloodline thing too much, but there is, I feel like, you know, that sense of you know recognition for for what the NFL is and kind of how it works and what it takes to be a, a you know a good player in the NFL when. You're, you saw your father doing it, and, and he can kind of teach you those lessons too. So I think that that's something that obviously you shouldn't put too much stock into in your analysis of these corners, but but it should mean something that uh, that you know he he is Asante Samuel's son, just considering how good of a player Asante Samuel was. And Lee, you were watching uh, Kelvin Joseph, or saw him a little bit with mm-hmm. Jamin Davis. Uh, yeah. he's a guy who who snuck into the end of uh, Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock draft too, as a little bit of a surprise. Uh, what did you see that just kind of popped off for you? Just the natural athleticism and fluidity, man. And, and honestly, just there were a couple times where I'm watching Jamin Davis and all of a sudden number one's got the ball. And, I, and I'm looking like, man, this guy clearly has a knack for the ball. I mean, Carl outlined it, I think, beautifully at the beginning of the podcast with kind of what you're looking for. Um, and then, honestly, what he could do with the ball after he intercepted it. You know, like, man, this guy must have played a little bit of offense in high school too because he clearly has a – has some ability, you know, with the ball in his hands, you know, after after an interception, which I always love to see too, is if you can take that thing to the house after you get it. But man, yeah, just the natural ability to obviously playing against great talent in the SEC and being the number one dependable corner on his team, I think he fit that role and then some. So I think all that first round buzz around his name, I don't know if he will be a first round pick, but I do think that he deserves to be talked about um, in that category, you know, with the fringe first round guys, definitely. And for the other DBs, for this safety class, it's it's pretty deep. Carl, you told me Paris Ford was your number one safety, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> he was a five-star recruit, wasn't he? He was a five-star, Paris Ford, I think. Every year we played against him, 
Yeah. He, yeah, he, he was, he was a big, big name for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the, what was the, was the forty? It was like a four, four nine, something like that. Flirting with the fives. Yeah, bro was closer to uh, left guard range. I'll just say that. <laughs> Um, but it's a, it's an interesting safety class. Two guys that I kind of uh, have fancied myself with is, is Tyree Gillespie from Mizzou. Um, there's not the one thing with with Gillespie. He ran a four three forty, which was super uh, surprising to me. I didn't really think he had um, that speed on tape, which made me a little more skeptical of him because I kind of view him as a you know sixth seventh round guy just because there's no ball production there. Uh, I think he, you know, started for three years at Mizzou and has one forced fumble. Um, and it's the past defense uh, stats aren't aren't too hot either. No no picks, but I think he can be uh, from day one 100% special teams uh, guy and you know a guy maybe I I think maybe James Ahedigbo, you know something a little bit mm. like that mm. you know kind of kind of a brick strong safety not not exactly you know maybe what you're looking for in in the modern NFL but I just thought he was uh, a good player always was was bringing the uh, Bringing the, bringing the every game you watch, he makes a big hit. Georgia, LSU, Alabama, every single game he he's making a big big hit. And then uh, Jamie and Sherwood from from uh, Auburn, I just saw it, had some really nice um, plays uh, on tape. He plays with a nice little edge to his game. And another bigger guy, he's like 6'2", 215, 220. Another box uh, safety type. Played a little linebacker too, though. So you have that versatility and. Really, I thought, you know, covered well sideline to sideline uh, in terms of taking backs with him out of the backfield when he was in that linebacker spot. So definitely a guy who, from, I think, his rookie year, you can at least bring in maybe in, in th- some third down ba- packages on some passing downs just to bring him in at, at linebacker to start off and see if he can develop into that that safety role. Uh, who are some other safeties you guys like in, in this class? I'll, uh, I'll go ahead here. I got three I'm willing to, to throw their names in, in the hat. The first one is Jamar Johnson, a guy Tommy and I have talked about before. Uh, talk about ball production. I think that he led his Indiana for sure with interceptions. I want to say maybe he was in the conversation of leading the Big Ten. Um, I think he had two against Fields in that game against Ohio State. Yep. Um, clearly a knack for the ball. Clearly one of those guys who prides himself on being a ball hawk. And a guy who I think, I, I was telling Tom the other day, I think a team in the top 50 is going to fall in love with this guy for that reason. Um, and I do believe that he will be probably the second or maybe third safety off the board, depending on who else these guys like. Um, the second guy I'll talk about is Cade Stearns, the, the safety from Texas, who was a high-profile recruit. Definitely some inconsistencies in his game throughout his time at Texas. I would say he probably didn't live up to the potential that was laid out there for him. Um, but I still think that he's a young player. He's moldable. And, and, and you know, the measurables are there. And there, and there are definitely times on film where he pops off and he – he was a huge, uh, you know, leader for that defense on at Texas and made some big plays for them. Um, so I don't know if he's, you know, a first three round guy, but once you venture into fourth, fifth round, I think that he definitely is someone worth considering because of the upside. And then the last guy I got a shout out is my guy Brady Breeze. He didn't play in 2020 because of an opt out, but you know, not the most athletic guy in the world, a willing tackler, and clearly a guy who rises to the occasion, playing a heck of a game in the Pac-12 championship last year against Utah, um, and and you know, a guy who seems to be very level-headed and, and a leader in that locker room for Oregon. So, again, you're venturing into fourth, fifth, sixth-round territory here. This could be a guy who ends up being, you know, worth the pick. He's not ever going to be, you know, a pro bowler for you or the leader of your defense, you know, in terms of what he's going to do statistically. But just a guy that you want to, you know, try to perhaps build a playoff Super Bowl roster. He could be, uh, you know, you know, a, a cog in that. So uh, Core special teamer. Yeah, special teamer and a guy who, you know, 
you're willing to huck it up in the locker room a little bit with. Brady Breeze seems like seems like a good guy. And I love the I love safeties that are willing tacklers, play downhill, and they play with that aggression. And he definitely fits those categories. So he's he's a rich man Sendejo. Maybe the Browns, <laughs> maybe the Browns spend maybe the Browns at twenty six get Brady Breeze in the building. Yeah, and I was I, um, I will say I was a little shocked that he opted out in twenty twenty just because of how big of a role he played on that defense for Oregon and you know I definitely was a little bit shocked that he wasn't going to be out there with his guys this year, but I, w- I wouldn't dock him too much for that reason. Yeah, I want to just uh, I want to stay at Oregon and talk about Javon Holland a little bit, who's another guy who opted out, who I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, played safety as a freshman, then played slot last year um, in 2019 as a sophomore, and just has like great production, great ball skills, great instincts. Um, and I think you know, had he played this year, obviously there's a lot of you know there's a lot of risk. We talked about a guy like Cisco obviously getting hurt. Um, but Javon Holland, I mean, I think would firmly be, I think he is on that, you know, round day two conversation for sure, but potentially could have overtaken, you know, I guess Trayvon Morig is kind of the consensus number one safety, but I think Holland kind of has a, a similar game to Morig as well. Very versatile guy, willing tackler, the ball skills are there, just not a lot of weakness in, in his game and a guy that you can draft on day two and pretty much, I think you can rely on him to start and, and have an impactful role uh, from day one. So Javon Holland was a guy that I really liked. Um, Elijah Molden, I'm going to stay in the Pac-12, another guy that I liked, probably I think is going to be a nickel at uh, the next level. I know Klepp and I have gone back and forth about Elijah Molden potentially being uh, in Honolulu Blue. Uh, but, you know, a little undersized, 5'10", 190. But I was a big Byron Murphy guy coming out a couple of years ago, um, and I just love – Washington just always has some dogs, and Molden is a little undersized. But, you know, just three years of, of production, two years of really good production, um, you know, just does a lot. Another guy who does a lot of things well. A little undersized, but I think you know at the very least is going to be a really good special teamer. But I think you know you can put him at the nickel from day one. And then I'll just want to say one more thing about Jamar Johnson because I just want to. Lee and I, you know, have been talking about him the past couple couple days, and I think you know, Carl, you brought up great points with just the skill set that you look for and fluidity in the hips and everything like that. I mean, just all you got listeners, all you need to do is watch um, the. I don't know if it was the first or the second interception against Fields, but how he baits Fields with his eyes, making him think that he's on you know the right side of the field, and then the hip fluidity and the range that he has is just effortless. Um, kind of like you know a guy like Cisco too. It's like that range and that effortlessness that they play with, and how easy the, the you know the ball production can come from just because of their athletic profile. So, Jamar Johnson, another guy who, another great quote, Lee. What did I, I send you? He was getting at, interviewed by uh, yeah. PFF. He said they asked him what his his play style is, and he said see ball get ball. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. No, definitely, great, definitely great prides quote. himself on that on that part of his game, which you always love to see. You got to have that confidence there with these with these DBs, man. I think it's a big totally. part of it. It's almost like quarterback in that sense, right? Where you have a bad play, you know, if an incompletion, interception, you know, give up a give up a completion, you know, how do you come back from it? Is 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 a big part of that position, Carl? Any other corners or safeties deeper in this class that you like? Uh, well, the Javon Holland thing, I I loved a lot, uh, especially I, I vividly remember this past summer. Um, Cisco and, and, and Iffy and I were just going around, and obviously they want to compare their games to other guys in the class. And before Holland had opted out, that was one guy that Cisco had talked about, just especially with his versatility, as you alluded to earlier. Came in as a, as a, a deep free safety. The next year, he's in the box damn near half of the game. He's playing, he's covering the slot, he's sliding over and taking on pulling guards. And I'm like, whoa, okay, hold on. So I, I really like his versatility. I, I like those guys who, once again, who versatile, ball production. I don't know if he would have played this year. I think he's a first-round guy. He tested well. 
and I, I think there's one thing that's a misconception with safeties is that if a safety runs anything four, five, and under, that's a freak because safeties aren't supposed to be guys who are flying like corners do. I think he ran a four, four at his pro day, so that means he can test me. He's athletic. He can hold up in the slot or even in the deep middle if you ask him to do that. So I love him a lot. But the guy who I liked, and I'm an ACC guy, so obviously it's going to be a little bit of a, a sliding scale with that. But I like DeMar Hamlin out of Pitt. And when I watched him, and I'm from Ohio, so I watched a lot of, bit of, a lot of Ohio State as well, he literally screams Jordan Fuller to me where, like, nothing he does jumps off the tape. I watched Jordan Fuller start at Ohio State for three years, and I ain't seen him make one play. But the reason for that is because he was always in the right place at the right time. And usually that means that you're doing your job and it doesn't scream excitement play or big play or one-handed picks because you're always in your, you're doing your 111th and you're solid in what you do. DeMar Hamlin was the same way for me. He didn't really do much when it comes to, you know, deep field stuff, but he was a split safety guy where he was in the box a lot. Great run defender. I mean, one of his biggest highlights is where he literally suplexed one of our receivers so and almost broke his neck. So still mad at him for that. But I, I really like him as a day three type of guy. He's a bigger guy, probably at 6'1", probably 200, 205. But he was another highly recruited guy coming out. He's a – I believe he was number three for Pitt. I like him a lot. I think he can really be one of those guys. He's a core special teamer. But Jordan Fuller was phenomenal for the Rams this year as a later-round yep. guy. I see DeMar Hamlin kind of being the same role where it's like, yo, he didn't really do much in college, but they have the same type of traits where they're always in the right place at the right time. What do you – Carl, what do you think, like, if you're building – your secondary or even just your defense. I mean, what do you, how do you balance that between, you know, a guy like DeMar Hamlin who is just kind of doing their job or Andre Cisco, who sometimes is freelancing and taking those risks to make picks, even, you know, a, a comparison for a guy in the league, you know, a Marcus Peters at corner sometimes catches a lot of heat because he's trying to jump routes, jump double moves and, and all that stuff. Right. I mean, how do you kind of balance that when you, is it okay to maybe have, you know, one safety who's doing their job and another one who's maybe taking some risk or does it all kind of have to flow together? Do you think? I, I definitely think you can't have too much of, of either or because if you have a bunch of – I don't want to keep like talk down on these guys. In any, but if you have too many guys like a Jordan Fuller or DeMar Hamlin who are just always in the right place at the right time but not really making plays per se, well, I mean, you're just going to be a, a, a bend but don't break defense, and that's kind of hard in this day and age. You need guys who can play make. On the flip side of that, though, you got a bunch of Marcus Peters out there who – they might strike up the band half of the damn game because you're looking at throw pump fake. I mean, you, you definitely need to strike a balance in some regard. But I I will say this, though. You can teach a guy to be scheme dependent and to be level-headed. I can't teach what Marcus Peters has. I can't coach that into somebody. I, and I think that's why a lot of guys in the first and second round are your athletic freaks because those are the guys who are supposed to be able to just make plays, something that you can't coach into guys. So I think that's where you're probably going to lean more towards those guys when it comes to building a team because you just can't coach that type of stuff. As we alluded yeah. to uh, a couple of weeks ago about your Okuda, uh, why you don't like that pick, I can coach Okuda. I can I, I can coach the type of stuff. He don't got really nothing that really jumped off the board with me, but like some of the other corners. If I'm taking a corner that high, I need a guy where I can't coach that shit. He just a damn mm -hmm. Yep. Jalen Ramsey was, the, was kind of the justification that a lot of people would say with the Okuda pick. This time last year, people were saying, oh, well, you know, no corners have been taken top three, but hey, Jalen Ramsey was taken at five. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Jalen Ramsey was Florida State's defense. He was their defense. He was that identity. He had that swagger. There were no questions with his game. And obviously, I don't want to down talk Okuda. He's young. He's got a lot of potential. But that stuff just definitely wasn't there, kind of like you said, at Ohio State. There wasn't that, you know, stuff that you that you couldn't coach. Um, 
And I do think that it's a really interesting kind of conversation to have where it's like we do value the ball production. We do value the risk being taken. But like you said, man, Jordan Fuller was arguably one of the best picks in the later rounds of the draft because of what he did and how he fit with the Rams this year on defense. I have a I got a question for you, Carl. I know you're you're an Ohio guy. You've you've forgotten more about playing DB than than I'll ever know. Um, what about Sean Wade, man? Obviously, mm. uh, you know a, another high-rated five-star guy coming out coming into this year. A lot of high. I mean, if he left last year, might have been a, a definitely would have been a, a second-round pick, um, and kind of got exposed this year at corner. Obviously, the national championship game, Devonta Smith just ate his lunch. It looked like Klepp trying to cover me. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like Klepp trying to cover me out on the boundary. But I mean, so Sean Wade probably projects more at, at, as a safety, right? You'd say at the next level. Um, I mean, like, what do you think of him? Do you have any opinions on him? Kind of, kind of want to hear you on that. Uh, so when, and this is going to sound like, I, I'm not a guru in no aspect of this. I'm definitely wrong eight times out of 10. But when I heard all those projections last year, it didn't make sense to me because, A, you don't take nickels in the first round. And, B, I didn't see nothing on, like, tape that screamed I'm some, like, some – I'm sorry, I just don't believe you take nickels that high because that's what he played last year with Arnett and Okuda on the outside. And then this year, you just didn't see the fluidity with the playing on the outside. And I can't see that against Indiana. What the hell is that going to be against, like, Green Bay? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. but he is physical. I mean, I've, I've, you've seen a lot of that on tape with the bros. Not, he's willing to put his face in the fan and come up and make a tackle. So, I mean, I, and he played at Ohio State for two and a half, three years. I don't know if he yeah, started. Three three, okay, so he started. For, so he he's clearly a, a, a talent. I just don't know if I trust him on the outside because, I mean, Devontae Smith's good, but there's a bunch of Devontae Smiths on the next level. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. laid that lick on Lawrence too, didn't he? In the cha- – that was him yeah. in the in the game yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah. I love that play. I love plays like that where you can play downhill like that. But yeah, on the outside, I definitely would agree with you. He can play safety. I like uh, that. He's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, also, you being the ACC guy, a guy that I'm not really familiar with. I'm not sure how familiar. I mean, I know you. You definitely know who he is. But uh, Hamsa Najilardine or whatever from Florida State, the uh, the safety. I don't know if you. Uh, like 6'4", 220 pounds, kind of seems to be like a, a moldable dude. Um, I don't know if, if you got a, a little elevator pitch scouting report on him or anything of, of that nature. Every time we played Florida State, the one person that stuck out to us was Samuel. So I, I yeah. definitely saw him out there. Like, I, obviously, you see somebody that damn big out there in the secondary. Like, yo, Freak. hold up. But I'm not going to lie. I don't really have much just because when you yeah. watch Florida State, you see the last name and you're like, all right, let me watch this game. And then the last name matches the, what you see on the field, so you're, you fall in yeah. love with that. So I don't really have much when it comes to uh, my I, I have a quick Q's question for you, man. Um, I love Dino Babers. I always thought he was a great coach at Syracuse. I'm just curious, man, with the way this last season went, how do you kind of project how they're going to react to, you know, obviously underachieving? Not that Syracuse football has been held to a super high standard, but they definitely should be competing at a higher level in the ACC do you think that he's the guy for the job, obviously, and, and, and do you think he's going to make the right adjustments to get Syracuse football back kind of where you think it should be? Uh, well, I, I'll, I'll say one thing when it comes to Syracuse football, and I think that's where the transition, um, where the expectations need to be tempered for a little bit. The ACC is a lot more difficult than the Big East ever was, and I think that's mm-hmm. the first thing, first and foremost. And it, You've seen that with basketball, too. I don't know how much you guys are basketball fans, but yeah. everyone's like, yo, Syracuse will turn to promise. Guys, we are in the Big East. We're in the ACC now with a lot more powers. Clemson, National, I mean, uh, Clemson, Florida State. Um, it's a who's who, right? Yeah. So I do think, but I will say this, though. 
we're better than a three, four win school though. I see Wake Forest getting six, seven wins a year. I see yep. Boston College sneaking off seven. Why can't Syracuse? And I think that um, for one, we've had a bad case of injury bug. I don't know if you guys seen that this year. We look like a hospital team out there. I mean, damn, we were down to our seventh string running back. Star quarterback went down. Obviously, Trill and, and uh, Cisco were both hurt this year. If he, oh, I don't want to say too much about Iffy, but if he was not 100% out there as well, it was just tough. Offensive line was banged up. It was tough. So I think, one, you got to stay healthy. That's the name of the mm-hmm. game. If you're not out there, your best ability ability is availability, right? Yep. So I think that's first and foremost. We got to stay healthy. But I do think he can be that guy. I've seen him. He recruited me, God damn it. And he's yeah, a salesman. Yeah. So he can, <laughs> if he can go into my office and sell me on, on what Syracuse can do, I think – um, I think they can get the job done because once again, if you can convince somebody to go to Boston College in that cold ass weather in Boston with no dome, you can come to New York, all right, and play in a dome. So uh, if Boston College can get seven, eight wins a year, we can too. Yep. And you guys got some of the cleanest unis in uh, in college football. Great color scheme, man. And people forget, man, the history is rich at Syracuse, man. The football history is rich as hell, man. Ernie Davis is one of the best to ever do it. So. You, uh, and, and Floyd Little, is, is he Syracuse too? Yeah. He is. Floyd he Little is. too, man, yeah. Recently yeah. Uh, recently passed away, rest in peace. R.I.P., um, of course. Hall of Famer. May, maybe a few, uh, maybe you could get a few dome practices though, right, Carl? Man, I, uh, man, I love it. <laughs> Bro, we have a dome. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you sh- we have a dome. If you don't want to play in that, then that's on you, buddy. Practicing in the cold, looking at the dome in the in the distance. There's <laughs> probably on, nobody man. in it right now. <laughs> come on, we got a dome, man. Like, come on, like, you want to go to BC? It's cold as hell, yo. I mean, Wake Forest. What's in Wake Forest, bro? Like I said, man, if they if those schools can sneak off six, seven, eight wins a year, we can too. There's your pitch to come to Syracuse, Carl. What about these? Uh, some of these receivers in the ACC. Obviously, there's Tutu Atwell. Guy I like is Tamari Ontari at Florida State. Didn't play uh, last year. Got Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, a couple guys from the ACC that I'm sure have a couple of scouting reports have floated around here in, in Syracuse. On what do you? Amari Rogers too is a guy I really like from from Clemson. Um, what is your just impression about some of these ACC receivers in in the class this year? Uh, I like it a lot, and I and we always used to brag about it, uh, especially with my guy at Notre Dame and on um, in the Big Ten as well. We got the best receivers. I feel like. And obviously the SEC probably has better numbers per se, but hell, I'm, I'm biased. But um, one guy who I liked, and he's been there, probably he's on his Perry Ellis stuff or how long he's been at Clemson, he <laughs> like is, is Amari Rogers. Uh, I don't remember too much of Debo coming out, but I know they're kind of same in the same body frame where they may not be the best refined route runners, but they're hard as hell to tackle in space. Actually, I don't know if I've ever seen them tackle in space. And they just, they're really good with the ball in their hands. So if you can get an offensive coordinator who can put the ball in Amari Rogers' hands, Good luck. So I really liked him a lot. Um, Tutu, I don't know if you guys have seen the play. He, Him and Cisco had like a, a little one-on-one, and he beat him for an ADR post. Dude can fly. And I know he's probably a buck 38, but he, he can fly. And once again, it, it's a lot of the NFL outside of the freaks is can you scheme a guy open. I think that's a guy, if, you, if you're able to put the ball in his hands and, and let him make plays, I think he can. So I, I, liked, I like Tutu. Um I liked Amari Rogers a lot, though, mm-hmm. outside of like the big name guys that um, Clemson has had over the years. And then, I guess, if you want to just what's what's the outlook for the Browns, maybe in the draft? What are you what are you looking for? 
What's what? What needs to happen? I, we I, I feel like honestly, Tommy and Lee, we haven't talked too much about the Browns in, in terms of, of a draft outlook. Uh, well, Tommy's so, a huge Andrew Barry fan and Stefanski as well, and I think I've admitted at least to the fact that the Browns, the you know this is what did I say last podcast? This ain't your granddaddy's Browns team. This is a new kind of era coming in with the Browns. So I really would like to hear kind of coming from a Browns fan himself, what your outlook is, I guess, on the first couple rounds of the draft and what you're looking to fulfill there. Uh, defense, defense, a little bit more defense. Uh, just especially, we have so much money tied up on the offensive side of the ball, um, especially with Njoku, Hooper, obviously with OBJ and Landry, DPJ, shout out to, uh, to Michigan. Uh, yep. Obviously with Baker and Chubb and Kareem, and our offensive line was great at top three or five in the NFL the past year. So I think you can always shout out Jedrick Wills. Shout out to yeah, shout out to Bama right there. Uh, I think we you can always get a, a, another old lineman or two because we got banged up really bad towards the end of the year. We had I think some I don't want to call them a walk on, but a practice squad guys at our left guard spot like literally signed three days before the game. So mm-hmm. maybe take a guy in round four or something like that. But defensively though. Um, if Dell Pitt can come back healthy, I think that a, a tandem with him and John Johnson that we just got from the Rams, I think it's going to be really good. I like Denzel. Shout out to Denzel. We um, grew up together. If you can get another corner outside of him, if Reedy can't come back to where he is. But I really think in a, in a division with Lamar, you're going to need guys who can run sideline to sideline. So maybe you draft a safety who can come in the box and play that third down role where you can run and replace that backer and take him off the field. Um Need a guy op- opposite of Miles Garrett. I know we've been linked to Jadavion Clowney of late. I don't know if I really like him as that guy, but I mean, if, I, don't, I know the edge class isn't really as good as it's been in previous years. So maybe you wait till next year for that. I don't know, but I, I definitely think you need some guys, especially in the division with Lamar, because Lamar has torched the Browns every single time he's played us. And I think the teams that do a good job against him are got they have DBs and linebackers who can run sideline to sideline. So. I don't really want to scheme against one team per se, but if you want to win the AFC North, you got to go through Lamar. So it's definitely some mm-hmm. guys who can run. Yeah, I've uh, I've been talking about Zayvon Collins potentially being there. I mean, obviously, if a guy like Awusa Kamara would to fall to Cleveland, I would be shocked if that happened. But I think that'd be an awesome fit. But Zayvon Collins is a guy that I've really liked the fit with him in Cleveland because um, the linebacker room. I was I was a big Mac Wilson guy coming out, but you know I think he's probably your. <laughs> He's probably your best linebacker. You got him and, you know, Sione uh, Takitiki or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> Taki Taki going out, out there. But I think, you know, getting, like, just more playmakers um, at the second level of the field. You talk Zayvon Collins, I really like him a lot. Just an, a gamer. I think he has that sideline, sideline ability. And, you know, I mean, obviously, QB spine Lamar is, like, I mean, it's much easier said than done. You just need to kind of, like, I think put athletes and put, you know, good football players in position to do that. And I think it's really interesting talking about an edge rusher opposite Miles Garrett because a lot of the guys this year, you have a lot of traits. You know, you don't have a lot of, you know, refined stud, Chase Young, Bosa S, you know, guaranteed guys coming out, but you have a lot of, you know, high ceiling guys coming out. And I think Cleveland's a great situation where you have just an, an alpha edge rusher in Miles Garrett on one side of the ball. And I think it's like, you know, you're going to be able to get, you know, he's going to be taking double teams. He's going to be getting a lot of, you know, the the protection is going to be skewed towards him. So having a guy, you know, like uh, Jason Owe or, you know, I, I'm, I'd be shocked if Pay falls there or Jalen Phillips, but guys who have, you know, a, a high ceiling that you can bring in and kind of will have an easier job and not be relied upon to be that number one dude, um, you know, coming in from day one. So I think 
you know, ultimately, I've, I've talked about it the past couple podcasts. I like Cleveland to win the AFC North. I don't want to jinx you, Carl. I don't want to give you uh, – I don't want to, you know, put a put a hex on you and, and the uh, the Cleveland Browns fan base. But I just really love the upside of, you know, in the direction where the, in which that way uh, – which the franchise is going. So – I, I like I like I like your Browns chances this year, but I do think that, you know, they do need to make some adjustments on defense. And obviously, you know, Baker needs to continue to play within that system and but I think, you know, it's a great you know, Stefanski Barry, like I think they have a really good thing going. I'll say, you mentioned the line. I'll say too, man, like what's a plan for Odell? We can all have this conversation because we kinda saw what happened last year with him getting hurt, obviously. And the Browns offense performing to an extremely high level and then there's always gonna be chatter. Um, in the media of, of, oh, you know, Odell's negatively affecting the team, this and that. I just want to know, you know, for, from from a Browns fan himself, kind of, what's your outlook on Odell? Would you be would you welcome him with open arms, a healthy Odell back to the offense, or do you think that it might be better served for them to go in different directions and the Browns to maybe get some, I don't know, what type of draft picks or players in compensation for a player of that caliber? So the, I think the Odell uh, the discussion I think is a, a bigger – I think it's bigger than the Browns per se in terms of you talked about Baker playing within the scheme and you're 110% right. Baker is, I don't know if you guys ever seen Bucky Brooks and how you describe a quarterback. There's your trucks mm-hmm. and then there's your trailers. Yeah. There's, there's very few trucks in the NFL so that everyone else is really a trailer. I mean, everyone else is really a trailer and Baker's a trailer, which is fine. I, it's, Mahomes just don't fall on your lap every damn day. Right. Yeah. But, um, but eventually though, you need guys who can get open and win one-on-one. Because I can't do but so much for you. You're going to have to beat the guy in front of you. And outside of Odell, we really don't possess that guy on the perimeter. So if you don't believe, if you believe that moving off from Odell is best for the team in terms of chemistry, I know he makes a boatload of money. So maybe you want to shave cap space, whatever, so be it. You better draft the receiver pretty damn early. Because we don't have that guy who can win one on one. And I think that was kind of evident in the Chiefs game a little bit in the playoffs where the Chiefs were literally like, all right, we're just going to – and Chiefs don't have, like, the best secondary in terms of the outside. I mean, I like uh, Sneed. Um, shout mm-hmm. out to him. But they don't really have the best guys. I mean, I like Landry a lot, but do you guys really trust Jarvis Landry to go win on third down one-on-one against Jalen Ramsey? I don't. So, I, I, I think you, if you move off of Odell, you need a guy who can win, on, win one-on-one. And I know the offense looked better without him, but at the end of the day – when it comes January and it's the third quarter against the Baltimore Ravens and Marlon Humphreys up in front of you, I don't know if Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be the guy who's going to win mm-hmm. me that route. Like, no bootleg in the world is going to get him off of him. No no rub route in the world is going to get him off of him. Can you get open? And I know people have seen the Patriots do it for years with all their damn lacrosse players they've had at receiver, but that's not the rest of the NFL, all right? So I, I do think that if you move off of Odell, I need a guy that can take the top off of a defense and, and win. Interesting. Ball. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, uh, Carl, before we, uh, before we end the, end the show here, what's, uh, what's happening at three? What's going on with the, what's happening at three? What do you think? Cause everyone, Man. everyone who has connections is saying this Mac Jones, or as Crocky likes to say, Mayo Mac. <laughs> what, what are we, <laughs> what, what's going on there? Oh, man. So this whole quarterback discussion this year, I think, has been hilarious just because then the past three years, ever since Trevor and Justin got into college, Justin obviously went to Georgia first. They've been one and two, right? And obviously you can say what you want to say about Zach Wilson and, and Trey Lance and obviously Mac Jones as well. 
But the narratives that have come out over the past probably three months, I'd say, have been comical. Especially the first off one with this Fields one that he can't read a defense and that he gets off his first read and it's not a pro-style offense. I played against Clemson for three for four years. And this is not a knock on Trevor Lawrence. This isn't saying that he can't do it. That is the most college gimmicky offense ever. He's not asked to make any reads. He All he reads is RPO and when it comes to safety. And it's not saying he can't do it because, I mean, Clemson, they're literally saying our guy's better than you. We don't need to read anything. So that cracks me up. Like, Matt, Mac Jones, Alabama's offense is a similar thing as well. They're not asked to make many reads, right? So when I hear that Justin Fields can't do it or that Trey Lance is raw and that Mac Jones is the most pro-ready guy, Justin, bro, how is he pro-ready? He's played 15 games. <laughs> Mac Jones, I mean, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me. How is he more pro-ready than Justin Fields and he's only played 16, 17 games? Like, I don't get that. And I think that if Shanahan makes that, choice and whatever my scheme and so i think that says more about shanahan and his ego than it does about the player himself and that he thinks he has the ideal guy because i don't know how you don't go with fields or lance just because if i'm moving up the farm to go get a guy i'm not getting matt ryan and that's the best that mac jones can be right i mean Mm -hmm. in terms of i'm not saying mac jones can't be good because he could be i mean obviously if there's five quarterbacks in this class probably only two of them are going to end up being pro bowlers anyways but I'm going to bank on the guy with the, the free traits. So whether that's Fields or Lance, and I've seen a lot more Fields, obviously, because I'm an Ohio guy. But I, I'm tired of this narrative, narrative that he – can he improve on things? Yeah, I think he's slow as hell sometimes when it comes to reading the defense. That's evident in the Northwestern game. But I think that this narrative that bro can't read and that Trey Lance is raw as hell and needs to improve – they all can. Nobody comes in the league pro-ready. None of them. There's not such thing as a pro-ready quarterback – Trevor Lawrence is going to look like wet ass next year in Jacksonville because he doesn't have much help around him. Same thing with Zach Wilson in New York. So it's just like I'm tired of this narrative of pro-ready. He can step in today. Like, no, I'm sorry. Not everyone is blessed with Justin Herbert with the weapons that he had around him. And and I love yeah. Joe Burrow as well. Shout out to him. So I think that's where my rant, I'm sorry, Clef, if that didn't really answer what the hell you no, were No, that's perfect. No, I thought that was well, great. And, and also I think an, a good point to make too is in terms of pro-readiness, just like – we saw like just what his athletic ability can do for him. We saw a guy like Jalen Hurts, you know, who is not even near the passer that Justin Fields is. What he's able to do from day one, you know, that game against the Saints, they went out and beat the Saints as like ten point underdogs because it's hard to defend. And, and, and I mean, Fields is an even more elite athlete than Jalen Hurts is. Like it's just, you know, and I and that's where with me, like, I love Kyle Shanahan. I've I've said it every podcast. I think he's I think he's the best coach in the NFL. I don't understand why he wouldn't take the high end potential of, you know, Justin Fields, I mean, he's going to make the quarterback's job easier regardless. I think his system does that. I think he's that special of a talent as a coach. But then to bring it, you know, then you have an an elite, elite, elite athlete like Justin Fields. I just, you know, we've been going back and forth the past three weeks just how he could pass on that upside. And we see the way this is trending. You know, we've seen what Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, both guys who were not even near the passers that Justin Fields were coming out and how they've been able to evolve in the way that the NFL is going. I just, you know, it's, you know, it's really interesting. I just, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me, you know, because, like, what is Mac Jones's ceiling? We've talked well, about this a lot. It's funny. You know? Carl said Matt Ryan, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, that would be a real successful career if he was Matt Ryan. Like, I, I think that would, that's just about where I would find Mac Jones's ceiling. I don't think we're getting Tom Brady. I don't think Tom Brady, a Tom Brady player, will ever play in the NFL again. So I think that's a completely asinine comparison. 
anyone who's trying to say, oh, well, Mac Jones could be like a Tom Brady. No, because he's got a bad, you know, because he's got a, a dad bod. It doesn't make him Tom Brady. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm kind of beating a dead horse at this point with the whole Fields thing. He obviously um, is, is is a I, – I, Clep, we bring it up too, man. The whole – Zach Wilson has kind of sneaked out of this argument where it's like, oh, yeah. Zach Wilson all of a sudden is the number two pick as well. I think that is an even more interesting argument than the whole Mac Jones at three because it's like, since when did Zach Wilson sneak his way above Fields as well? Was that just early draft talk or, or is this stuff that, that happened throughout the, the course of, of Zach Wilson's wonder season that he had? Um, but yeah, man, I, I, watching the film, it just didn't add up for me, uh, obviously with Mac Jones and then especially with Zach Wilson. Cause to me in the sample size I saw Justin Fields literally just looked like a better version of Zach Wilson. He looked like someone who could do, in my opinion, he can do everything Zach Wilson does, but he's bigger, he's stronger, he's more physical. He played against harder competition. And I quite frankly think he has a better arm too. So it's like, that stuff doesn't really make sense to me, but this is always there's always hot topics during draft season, and especially when you get a, a quarterback class like this with five guys who people perceive to be any you know any uh, front office you ask in the NFL from one to thirty two, they, they see them as top ten guys. So um, it's definitely going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But I think the point you made about Shanahan and his ego is actually a really interesting point that I haven't necessarily heard yet, where it's like it does make a lot of sense that he's saying, oh, well, I'm me, and I want my guy, and I'm going to trade up the farm to get Mac Jones because he can, I can win with him. I think that that might be, you know, the, the, the margin for error in the NFL is extremely small, and I think we could be seeing, dare I say it, kind of a, the Colin Cowherd take of everyone is saying the, thinking the world of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy when they were scheming up to, to draft Mitchell Trubisky, and now all of a sudden they're the goats of the league uh, four years later, and people are laughing at them. I think we could be seeing a similar thing with San Francisco if Mac Jones doesn't end up being Matt Ryan. And I do think that uh, that, that, you know, I don't know if it'll be to that extreme, but I do think that it could end up being, a, you know, a fatal decision by them, honestly. Lee, don't ask, yeah. uh, don't ask Carl about Kellen Mond. You're not a Mond guy? I, I, uh, love, me, I love me some Mond. <laughs> yeah, I just, so I remember him at IMG. Uh, okay. He was, he was a big guy at IMG. Uh, big, he was probably the number one guy coming out when it comes to quarterbacks maybe top mm -hmm. two or three i don't know and i just watching him at a&m he's gotten a lot better i'll say as soon as jimbo got there his career like took the hell off absolutely absolutely so i i think he's gotten better i'm just not a mon guy uh dude it's funny you say that yeah. it's because, i'm sorry to interrupt you but i watched mon his freshman year he got some playing time i think it was before jimbo came in and i was like this guy sucks put nick starkle in i remember thinking to myself man put nick starkle in this mon kid sucks and then I turned on the TV a year later, and I got absolutely – I was in heaven watching Kellen Mond compete as a sophomore against Clemson. I was thinking to myself, this kid has improved mightily from last year, and I think he's got a really bright future. And I think watching him kind of progress as a player, uh, I've just – he's kind of my baby in this draft class. I've kind of watched him progress, and I'm really excited. To see, I would love to see him go to an NFL team where he's – they've got a good little core around him, and he can develop for a couple of years because I do think that – He's a potential pick. I don't think he's a guy you're going to throw to the Wolves immediately and he's going to be a first-round talent. But I do think that he's a good developmental quarterback. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, another thing about Mon that is, is worth noting, too, is just the lack of weapons that he's had around him compared to all of these other guys. Even a guy like Davis Mills, who's got, you know, the Hawaiian DK Metcalf, Simi Fihoko, <laughs> uh, out on the outside. Um, you know, Kellen Mon, I don't think he's played with one uh, NFL receiver. I know the guy. Lee, what's the guy? Jalen Widermeyer. That tight end is going to be a, he's going to be a top. I, I would say he might be a first-round pick next year, if not first, second-round pick. He's a stud. Wow. 
Well, I know there's He's a receiver young, this year who, who opted out, who's probably going to go on day three at some time, who I'm forgetting the name of, but just a, a good Osmond? point to bring Jamon up with Kellen Mond. I thought he played. Yeah, yeah, Osborne, maybe, Osborne, maybe, yeah. Maybe Osborne, yeah. Now, a question that I have for you guys, and I haven't really put too much thought into it, but it just came into my, my head. Take away Lawrence, take away – how about this? Take away all the quarterbacks, take away Sewell, and take away Pitts. Y'all a GM. Who is the guy that you guys banging on the table for and like, look, Jamar, Jamar, easy. For who? Banging on the table for who? He said take. We're banging on the table. We can't let this guy get off the board. He's going to torch us for the next 10 to 15 years. Who are are you banging on the table for? For me, it's Devonta. I I think Devonta's my number one receiver. And and it's interesting, man. I, I, I never see him ranked number one. And I just think what he did, even last year at Alabama, he was a star. And I know they had stars all around. And then coming in this year and performing to the level he did, I know Waddle was hurt, but he was dominant, and, and he's got what I like to call easy skill. It seems like everything's easy to him. Everything's so smooth. And I'm, I don't know if he'll necessarily light, light the NFL on fire, but I just don't really see a reality in which Devonta Smith isn't successful in the NFL. I just think he's a natural, God-given, you know, incredible football player. Um, so I think he'd be the guy I'm probably pushing for. For, for me, it's interesting because – a lot of it is I, I really loved Farley. I really got got into Caleb Farley, and then obviously a lot of the stuff has come out with with the back. And I'm not a not even close to a doctor, so at this point it's like, you know, how how big is the difference between you know if if Farley wasn't hurt between Horn and Sertain, who are just such um, you know solid solid prospects. But then you look at Farley. I mean, Carl, you and I talked about this. How crazy it is to be a receiver, tear your ACL come back a year later and in two years you're considered to be a, a top corner into the draft because of how crazy that athleticism you said there was a transfer from Virginia Tech who is at Cuse and just said that he was unbelievable athlete so for me it's just like looking at a guy like like Farley if the back checks out I don't know obviously the, the back thing I don't know if you end up taking him that high but for me early on in the process that was a guy for me where I just thought man if you can just coach this kid to you know just take, give him, like we talked about the Eagles, right? You got Slay on the other side. He's, you know, put Farley over there. He doesn't have to go up against the, the number one guy early on in his career. And you start to match that athleticism with just coaching and technique. I think, you know, the sky's the limit for, for a kid like him. Got you, got you. We, we looked a lot at Farley over the past, uh, not this past year he opted out, but the two years that he worked, he was playing. And it's funny that we, we got into this little talk was, I want to say February club. And I, you asked me who my, some of my guys were, and I said Newsom and Horn. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I said about Farley, but I didn't really put, put too much thought into it, is that his clock was kind of, I thought, too sped up, obviously. But then, but like you said, though, he, had, he transitioned. He's only played the position for two years now. You put that dude in some NFL coaching room, you get some technique, Sky's the damn limit because corners aren't supposed to be that big and that damn fast. And I'm not calling him Jalen Ramsey because that's I don't want to put too much pressure on the dude. But that's what Jalen Ramsey is. Just a dude who is a, the elite combination of freak athlete and um, great technique as well. So if he can – the back checks out and he can just slow the hell down out there because sometimes he be playing like his head's on fire. And I'm like, bro, like chill out. Like you, You're far better than the dude across for you. Just chill the hell out. If he can learn how to do that – I don't want to see him play against the Browns. I'll just say that. 
Especially yeah. too, I mean, down the field, man, he just swallows up routes. Like yeah. like, you know, going deep, man, he he doesn't lose, you know, phase and then he's got the length and the ball skills at the end of it to just I mean, even you know, not even just break it up but but make the pick, man. I, I was I really, really liked what I saw from him. I want to say, too, I know that the, the off-the-field stuff is concerning, but I think Micah Parsons is going to have a great NFL career. I just don't. I just think he's another guy who's a natural football player, born to play linebacker. He's obviously not like the athlete or disruptor that Devin White is. You know, so it's not like a, he's a guy I'm going to take top five. But I think on the periphery of that top ten, the value is there with a guy like Micah Parsons, who's, Micah Parsons, who's just a natural linebacker and game wrecker. Um, who's, you know, clearly got that chip on his shoulder, plays really tough. And I think you can kind of identify your defense around a linebacker like that. So I think that the, that is always really exciting to get a player like that in your building. Carl, what, what, how do you rank the, uh, the big three receivers? So who is the third one? Are you saying Waddle's the third one? Yeah, or I mean, even, you know, maybe your top five. Maybe I'm assuming uh, maybe you got my boy Rashad Bateman in there or something like that. I don't know. Got you. So he's a Big Ten guy. He, he torched uh, Michigan. No, who did they you know, who did they beat the one year? Was it? He had a good game against Michigan. Uh, Penn State, I think, was Penn a State, good Penn game State. from yeah. last Penn State, yeah. year. Yeah, Penn, Penn State. State. Yeah. Uh, so if I had to go from one to five, um, and it's funny, like, we were talking about nitpicking with the quarterbacks. So I'm going to really nitpick these guys, but I think they're all going to be really great. And I think is a not to get too deep into it, but because of this seven on seven thing where you're playing seven on seven from damn eight years old and up now, these receivers for the next 10 to 15 years are all going to be good as hell coming out of college. So I, you can't go wrong with any of these guys. So I like Chase at one just because I think that he's uh, physical as hell. His production's off the damn charts. I just don't like how bro has no releases off the line of scrimmage. Like I've seen too many corners get into his grill, but then the same exact play, he's making a play down the field and he's in the end zone. So I'm sure yeah. he can, you can coach up some releases. And if bro's making those type of plays while getting pressed up, I can't imagine what he's going to be like when he gets some coaching into his, uh, into this game. I like Devontae Smith at two. Uh, like you said, he's a gamer. Bros makes plays. I'm not really too concerned about this, the, the size and, and his, how thin he is. He was a gunner on special teams, so that shows me he's tough as hell. Like, I'm sorry. Like, mm -hmm. the gunner is supposed to be my position where the corner who doesn't really play a lot but he wants to make the damn travel bus, so he runs down and goes. That's that's the Vontae Smith isn't supposed to do that. So that shows me bro's tough as nails. I can give a shit if he weighs 150, goddammit. I love that. Um probably three, and I'm a speed guy, so it'll be Waddle. And and I'm I like Waddle probably more than most, just for the simple fact that they say he can't play on the outside, but I can That's such cat, man. That's I've, such I've cap. seen I, I hate the that dude take. I've seen the dude play in and outside and he wasn't asked to play outside a lot because they had Mechie this year. They had Judy the year before in rugs and obviously Devontae Smith. So he wasn't asked to do it. But you don't have the wiggle that he has and not be able to play on the outside. He's not frail in any stretch of the imagination. His injury was a freak injury. It wasn't mm -hmm. like something where he made a cut. He he got rolled up on and broke his leg. It is what it is. And you can't teach. He didn't run a forty, but I y'all. I think he's a four-two type of guy. I'm not even trying to like <laughs> say anything crazy, bro. He ran with rugs. I don't know if you guys seen that tape where him and rugs are. Bro's a four-two type of guy. At worst, yeah. four-three, low four-three. I'll probably put Bateman four, but I would love Bateman in the top twenty, twenty-five. I, I, I like his release packages. He probably has the best release game out of all the guys. He's the one guy where your clock as a corner is like, holy shit, like oh oh oh, like mm -hmm. he's that type of guy. So. He maybe not be like the freak athlete that a Waddle is or that or the specimen that Chase is, but I would really love him, especially if the Browns move off of Odell. 
And then at five, um, I'd probably go Tony. Just because his wiggle, he's a, literally a joystick. I mean, obviously, we've all played Madden before, and he's literally that guy where he's out there looking like he's tearing ACLs every five seconds. I love what he did against Bama in the SEC championship game and all the plays he made over the middle and just all the guys he was making making miss. Um, I like Tony a lot. He may not be the, the refined route runner that the first four guys are, but I can coach that up. I can't coach up the type of freak stuff that he does with his ankles and knees. Though. I can't coach that. So I don't, I don't know if he's a Debo type of guy, but, I mean, they're built in the same type of framework where they're really dangerous with the ball in their hands. And get your boy Shanahan, another guy who can <laughs> feel me. Put him in Sean McVay's offense where he's got all those damn jet sweeps and stuff like that and, and see what happens. So. No, no, I need I need my boy Van Jefferson to develop, man. I need Van Jefferson taking that Josh Reynolds role. You want to talk about releases, man. I, yeah. loved, I loved Van Jefferson last year. Um, I guess one little follow-up I want to say, because I know Klepp maybe isn't as, as big of a, a fan of, of this guy as Lee and I are, but Rondale Moore. Lee and I are big Rondale Moore guys. Obviously, you turn on that 2018 tape. Ohio State in particular, like that's some of the best tape I've ever seen in my life. I know he's not a – you talked about same with Kadarius Tony, but Rondell Moore literally like has no route tree. It literally is just like drags and just like get the ball in his hands and like let him make plays. Yuck. Um, I don't know if you have any opinions on him. Obviously he has some injury concerns. Uh, it's a little slight at 5'7", but um, the Murray bros are big Rondell Moore guys. I don't know your think what you think of him. I, I like him a lot too. I like and I, I will say this, though, it, it does scare me when a guy can only play the slot in the NFL. But that's fine, though, because I'm not taking him in the first round, so I'm not asking him to be my guy, I guess, you can, or the guy, the number one guy. Those guys are hard to come by. So if you're asking a guy who on, I don't know, third and eight, we're going to put him in motion and run a zig or a quick end slant dick, something, that guy's the guy to do it. Or, you know, jet sweep. Put him in the backfield sometimes and maybe do a little, little bit what Sproles does. He's explosive as hell. He's hard to take down. As long as you aren't asking him to do typical receiver stuff, I don't see why he can't excel and be uh, uh, mm. have a nice ten to twelve year year in a twelve ten to twelve year career in the league. And I think one thing this receiver talk because there's a lot of different receivers in this league in this draft. I think it kind of puts the onus on coaches to put the guys in the right place in the right positions to succeed because some of these guys are in systems that aren't conducive to their skill sets. Like, I'm, I'm Tyreek Hill's obviously blessed to have a guy like Andy Reid who's literally at best when it comes to scheming guys open. Or like a Debo Samuel, for example. You put Debo in Chicago, I don't know if he looks good because I don't know if Pace knows how to get him open. Hmm. But you put him with Shanahan, the best play caller in the league, watch out. Or So it's just like some of these guys, you put Rondell Moore in a, in a vertical offense where you're asking him to run like this expansive route tree. He may not look good, but you put him in a guy who's creative and ask him to do things that are conducive to his skill set. Watch out. Yeah, I agree. I think you absolutely need to have a plan when you're drafting a player like that. I think that's a great point. And honestly, I think it's, it's overlooked with every position too. Even with a quarterback you're bringing in, you got to have a plan, man. You got You got to make sure you know that you know a five to seven year plan ten year plan even of how we're going to make this guy work in our offense and what he's going to bring to our team yeah and my bias might be kicking in but i'm not i i still have hope for ronda Moore maybe playing on the outside i know he's five foot seven but dude has a 42 inch vertical has all the play strength in the world and, and goes up and attacks the ball man so i'm not i'm not uh you know maybe that's a, a little bit of a hot take but I say don't be shocked if you see Rondell Moore playing out on the outside making plays when he the catch point. <laughs> he may be able to. We just Purdue yeah. didn't ask it of him. And I think that's another thing yeah, is that these colleges, 
they do things that are best for their offense, but some of these guys have skill sets that are more expansive than they lead you on to believe. So, completely, completely. How do you see that too? I mean, with have you seen? Do you think the NFL is coming closer to to college, or do you feel like the NFL is kind of staying staying the same, and colleges are, are getting a little bit different, even on both sides of the ball? Well, I think defensively. Defensively, the NFL is copying college in terms of putting all these damn DBs on the damn field and just asking these guys to play ball and see ball. Like you guys talked about earlier, see ball, get ball. I think the NFL is seeing, you know what, these rules aren't conducive for us to succeed. Let's put as much speed and versatility on the field as much as possible. I mean, you're looking at all the Clemsons of the world. I don't know if you guys ever watched them play. They have positions, I guess you can say, but none of those guys outside of the corners and probably D tackles really have a damn position. I mean, obviously a guy like... Uh, Tanner Muse, Isaiah Simmons, you can go on and on about those guys where I don't know what the hell you want to call them, but they're not what the hell Clemson lists them at. Mm. And the NFL is the same way. If you watch the Chiefs and then the Chargers last year when they played against Lamar, they had seven DBs on the field. That's, like, not normal. Like, where is the traditional 6'4", 260 backer who wants to fill an A-gap? So I think in terms of defensively, yes, they're definitely competent in the college game. Uh, in terms of the offensive end of the field, I think – to an extent, yeah, but I, I think some of the concepts are the same though when it comes to the NFL is, is hasn't changed as much as we've been led on to believe. Um, it's because I'm, I'm I'm watching the playoffs over and over again, and the Bills definitely had like a more I don't I want to say gimmicky, but their offense was a little bit more different. But I mean, you look at the rest of the teams though, the Packers, play action ball, play action run, you know, deep shots down the field. Tampa Bay kind of the same way, you know, they're taking shots every other damn play. Obviously, my Browns play action dependent, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, are there college concepts that are being put into the NFL? Of course. But I think offensive-wise, if you just, just watch the play sometimes, they're not much more different than what they used to be. You just got some freak athletes on the outside that are making things look more crazy than what they actually are. Hmm. Hmm. Good. Good insight that's six, there. Th yeah. That 6'4", 260-pound linebacker, you can find that guy in the sixth round now. I don't know if you guys remember that uh, Ben Bowler, the Clemson uh, yeah. linebacker, oh, yeah. terrorizing defenses for oh, three yeah. years at Clemson. If you if put him in the league ten years ago, bros, a Hall of Famer, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> now he can't even play yeah. on first down. It's very third. true. It's like, now you get a guy like Devin White, who arguably is the best linebacker in the NFL for good reason, because he's a, he's a street sweeper, sideline to sideline. The guy doesn't let anything get past him. And uh, what are you what are you doing? Let's pump the brakes on Devin White being the best linebacker in the NFL. Well, I mean, he, he had a great season and a great he's playoff. Up there. He's but up there. The conversation is is being had. yeah. He's he's definitely. You know, up I'm there. not saying I'm he's not def, I'm not putting my there. fist down saying he's the best linebacker in the NFL. But there's a conversation there. Forgetting about yeah, uh, Big Ta or Tavai, <laughs> my guys. <It's> here. <laughs> Poor oh, uh, Carl, man, thanks for joining us. Any uh, any final remarks? Ready? Nah, what, what's Carl? What's your usual? What's your usual draft day? What are you doing on draft day usually? What's the situation? Draft so draft. Because I mean, usually, we're Detroit, Detroit and Cleveland, baby. This is this is it. This so is, usually we're in the group chat, obviously debating who we should get, right? And we're usually in the top ten, so we got a better idea of about three or four guys, right? And then all of a sudden, Cleveland takes some guy left field that you never heard of before, Justin Gilbert, or I don't know, Mingo, somebody like that. This year. Uh, probably going to do – obviously, I'm going to watch the draft. I'm a big NFL geek, but I'm not really too pressed about, like – I'm not, not going to be as angsty as I am this year. 
Uh, I'm going to be probably watching out for Cisco and Iffy and Trill and a couple of other my friends who are in the draft this year. And um, I trust Andrew Berry, as you alluded to earlier. The guy hasn't missed, he hasn't missed thus far, so I'm going to trust him. And whoever we get, uh, it is a wonder it is. kid. He's like 32. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, rounds four through seven, I, I'm, I might be not paying attention as much. But the first three rounds, I'm definitely locked in and, yeah. and cheering all these dudes on for changing their families' lives. Imagine that club. Imagine not feeling angsty on draft day. What a yeah, what, I, what, I what a feeling what, that would be. What a feeling. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm angsty when they're in the twenties, man. I don't know what to tell you, Carl. My my <laughs> lines taking taking guys like Jared Davis got me. You know. Now, quick question about this because I saw someone tweet this the other day, and because it came up with Kyle Pitts. What pick did you guys take, Hawk? Eight. Eight. Seven. Eight. Oh, eight. seven. Seven, you're right. Was it seven? Mm, no, it was eight because Ed Oliver went nine. Devin Bush went ten. And Devin Bush went ten. Yeah, it was yeah, eight. eight. So, so seven was the Jags. Straight. Y'all got Okuda. Hawk's huh, good. I had him on the fantasy team. Shout out to him. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all got Taylor Decker, right? Y'all picked him up? Yeah. Uh, Frank Ragnow wow. was a first rounder. Wow. 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 I mean, I know the Browns have missed. We've missed a lot. <laughs> Of late, we've been better, obviously, with Garrett, Denzel, Baker. But the, the Lions' day twos have been historically rough. I mean, you got your Tease Tabers. You got your Will Harris's. You got your Jelani Tavai's. <sighs> it's been uh, – you got your Carry On Johnson's. It's been, it's been rough on day two. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, I hope you guys uh, get the picks that you guys want. I've seen a lot of – Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Waddle to you no. guys. And obviously, no. I've listened to the episodes no. of you guys. You guys are hoping that um, Shanahan messes up and takes Jones yep. and hopefully Fields drops to you guys. I don't know if I want that because I want Fields and San Fran because I want to see him excel right away. But for Klepp's sake and y'all's sanity, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> We're we hoping for that. it. We appreciate that. We're hoping that. for it. Oh, I mean, he's... I'm- Stafford's gone, man. It's like we, we can't we can't hold on to golf. I'm not gonna lie to you. Golf's a joke. Obviously, I love the league. I, uh, I love following it. I couldn't name five lines after y'all got rid of Galladay. <laughs> Is Adrian Peterson still on the team? No. <laughs> y'all got Taylor Decker, Swift. Hawkinson, Okuda. Mm-hmm. You know Swift. Swift, yeah. Shout out to him. Shout out to Georgia right there. Golf. There's five. Oh yeah, y'all got Trey Flowers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the eighteen million dollar man. Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of your boy uh, Denzel Ward, is he gonna get uh, Kelsey back? <laughs> Kelsey Kelsey gave him that muscle relaxer. <laughs> oh man, honestly, Kelsey's one of those dudes where if you're not his size and can move, forget about it. I, like I love Denzel, yeah. but Denzel's smaller than me. He's about they list him at one eighty. Good luck on that. And yeah. <laughs> if you're not Levante David or Jalen Ramsey or I don't even know why I don't think he's covered, but those type of fruits. Derwin maybe. Derwin, Derwin, great, yeah, great, yeah. Derwin. Forget about it. So Denzel can try all he want, but until Kelsey hangs him up, I think he can he can chill out on that matchup. You can't get too hard on yourself for 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 Kelsey, a Hall of Fame player like Kelsey, doing something like that to you either. Hey, shout out to that was Cleveland on Cleveland though. Kelsey's from the from yeah, the city. Right. That's right. So he is, yeah. Obviously, as a Browns fan, I was upset to see us give him the touchdown right there. But in the back of my head, I'm like, 
Alright, Cleveland's looking good regardless. <laughs> oh. Alright, Carl, thank you, man. We appreciate no it. We appreciate the heck out of this, man. Quick quickest hour Great 20 of your life, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I looked over yeah. and I see it as 340 and I'm like, yo, okay. <laughs> We're Rogan territory. We we often go into Rogan territory when uh, draft season comes around. Yeah, long form, I baby. It. I love it. Tommy, you gonna let you gonna let Carl say it? Carl, let's get a Q stay stay semen. What what? Can't even say. It's my it's how, it's how we end our shows. I say Q Q stay scheming, and then the instrumental comes stay in. Stay beautiful. Rick Ross oh. instrumental. All right. Q's stay scheming. <laughs>